Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. This is Sid Roth with my friend, the, the new Dr. David Herzog, <laughs> my son, the doctor. <laughs> That's what your father would say, there you right? Go. Yeah. Um, but, um, and, and by the way, for the record, David just told me it's an earned doctorate. <laughs> Uh, David, I just got an email from you about you're your minding your own business. You're having uh, one of you, you, you celebrate the biblical festivals because you believe they're portals to heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, your worship leader messed you up. What happened? Well, we're doing our Pentecost conference like we always do, expecting God's glory to come and miracles and salvation. And it's the first night and suddenly he just drops dead. The worship leader drops dead. Right that, during, during the first how, half hour. How's that for a start of a conference? And I had to speak <laughs> after that, too. Oh, <laughs> I hope you had a good message. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> so, so I like, Lord, he needs to get raised from the dead because it'll affect my meeting. No, that wasn't the... And so he, he dropped dead. And um, so people thought that he was slaying the spirit or something. And after a few minutes, no, he's dead. They ran up to him. And so I told the worship leader, the second guy in charge that was back up, I said, keep leading the worship. Don't stop because if you stop... Everyone's going to panic and just go into, oh, my God. So I said, keep it going. So everyone kept worshiping, and then a crowd of people went and started praying for him. Some others did some CPR that knew how to do it on him. And we had about, oh, maybe 10 of us praying for him. You know, I was one of the ones praying and commanding his spirit to come back in his body. And he came back. After a few minutes, his pulse started coming back. We felt a faint pulse. Mm -hmm. And so I told the people, his pulse is back. Everyone cheered, but keep praying. Then he died again. And he now, now, did you have a medic there that would yeah. say he died, or well, how did you well, know? Well, yeah, we had two. We had first we had this uh, expert CPR trained people. Then we had the paramedics come in from the I hospital, see. and he was foaming before the paramedics came. He was foaming at the mouth. He was cold, dead, dead. Hmm. And we kept praying. Then they came in the meeting. They went on the stage, did their work, and we just kept praying. We we kept worshiping, singing the songs. So they were surprised. They were looking, and they said they felt the presence of God as soon as they walked in. They're not believers. And then we kept praying, praying, praying. Finally, at the end, they told us not to go near the body. So we kept praying from a distance. And he was dead, dead, dead. And the paramedic was to, supposed to do like electric shock and try to do something on him. Nothing worked. And we go, just keep praying, everybody, keep praying. And a voice told the paramedic, who's not a believer, try to bring him back one more time. Because we were all praying, he thought maybe we should. And he came back at the very end. And they, he died, double heart attack, widow's heart attack, the widow maker, they call it. And they say they don't see people come back from that. And they, they all said they're all unbelievers except for one. They've never seen this in their work that someone comes back from a double heart attack, dies twice with a, a widow maker, and they can only attribute it to the prayers. So then did they whisk him off to the hospital yeah. to make sure he was okay? When they were whisking him off, which we have a video of this, he was alive by that point. He came hmm. back from the dead right the last minute. And an hour later, he was up talking. And they've never seen that. Because the widow maker, you know, that's the big one. You don't come back from that, especially if mm -hmm. it happens twice in the same hour. So they were just, the whole staff, everyone shocked, all the nurses, all the paramedics. And usually doctors try to like disprove if you say God did it. They're all saying it had to be the prayers. It wasn't just a little CPR here and there. Now, you, you have shared this story uh, with our audience previously, but 
to me, it is so sensational. Uh, you and your wife were having meetings in France many years ago, and France is not known as a red-hot area for the glory of God. Uh, and God spoke to you to do something that would affect your entire ministry. What did he say? God kept telling me, go to Israel. And I thought, why would I go to Israel? I'm a missionary to France. God didn't call me to Israel. He called me to France. Mm-hmm. I'm there for one year, and God says, go to Israel. Okay, so how am I going to go to Israel? I had no money. The next, I said, Lord, if it's your will, I need $3,000 for my wife and I to go. It's three weeks. Outreach, visit, everything. With my Bible school, who I had graduated from, they were going to meet me there. And the next day, my car sold for exactly $3,000. So I knew, okay, I'm supposed to go. That money was supposed to be to sustain me on the mission field. Now I have no money, but I'm going to Israel. Yeah, you you were really living on the edge back then. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, crazy. Now, how, how does someone, that, now you have experience and you understand the, how faith operates. But back then... I, you must have really had a grasp of faith to, uh, I mean, here you're with your wife and you, that your, your nest egg is your car, you sell it, uh, so, and you're going to squander it in, in a few weeks by exactly. just going to Israel. Now you've got nothing. Exactly. All right, so you go to Israel. Now what? On my way there, I read a book by uh, Shira Sukaram called, uh, I forget what it was called, but How to Share the Gospel to Jewish People. I became as a Jew, I think it says. Yeah, I've, I've read that. And I'm reading it, and I read the last page that has the prayer. Lord, use me, please, to reach Jewish people. And I'm reading that last page as I'm at the airport waiting for the other tour from America to come. I'm coming in from France. And as soon as I say the prayer, I look to my right, and there's a little old Jewish lady sitting on the bench. She goes, hello, how are you doing? And the Lord says, start with her. Oh, right now? Oh, what was it I read? Don't you know? <laughs> I, I, it was really fast. I, I, you give the Lord an inch, He'll do it immediately. I said, uh, "How you doing?" I forgot how I did it, but I shared the gospel to her, and she accepted the Messiah right there, weeping as she prayed. Then she said to me, "Be careful! You might get in trouble for sharing this in, in the rest of Israel." And that tour, we led thirteen people to the Lord: ten Jewish Israelis and three Arab Israelis. And that's when God. And then, and they went to the upper room. I got slammed to the floor by the power of God. I never get slain the Spirit up to that point. And the Lord spoke to me and said, now your ministry begins in Jerusalem. Yeah, just that curious, when you were in the upper room, did someone pray for you? Yeah. Well, uh, first that we were worshiping together, uh-huh. I got slain the spirit without anybody praying for me. And then there was an African-American woman prophesying over me when I came to. I thought it was a black angel. I said, wow. And she said, the Lord says your ministry begins now in Jerusalem. And, and I was thinking, well, no, I've ministered before. But to the Lord, it's like now it gets it's clocked, like now it, things begin and that's really where things really took off when I reached the Jew first in Israel and then I came back to France and we had revival for like five years straight. But before that, what was going on with your ministry in France? Um, I had an anointing. and I, I would evangelize on the streets. Mm-hmm. I would get people healed here and there, but nothing major of significance that really, what anyone would say, wow, you know, I need to come see that. But I, at times I would see miracles. Mm-hmm. I would get people saved, but I knew there was got to be something more. And I was, I'd fast and pray for three days one day. And I said, Lord, what's, how do I do this? This country is really hard. Less than 1% Christian. And I was fasting and praying. God gave me Romans 11. He said, do what Paul did. Paul was successful in Europe. You're in Europe. What did Paul do? Paul was called to the Europeans too, like you are. He goes, I go to the Jew first. I magnify my ministry by going to the Jew first. And even if I just save some of them or even just make them jealous, I magnify my ministry, which means to the Gentiles. I thought, well, okay, that's all I'm getting in prayer. So after that fast, that's when God said, go to Israel. Went to Israel, came back, 
And a whole new move of God began to hit us. And for five years nonstop, we were in revival meetings for five years. On the fifth year, it went for six months straight. It was the longest running revival in 50 years in one church. Now, I I know something about uh, David. We've been friends for many years. And when he ministers, the glory of God shows up. When the glory of God shows up, almost anything he says happens. As a matter of fact, uh, he, he, he made another investment. He, uh, wherever I am around the world, he and his wife will show up to to learn, so they can, so he can do the same thing I do in reference to reaching un, unsaved Jewish people. Uh, but you had a meeting in Philadelphia, and and I have to tell you, I, yeah, I I I want him to do more than me. I want him to do better. That's that's that that's how the kingdom operates. That's not how the world operates. Tough act to follow. But that's how <laughs> that's how the ki- kingdom operates. But I don't know, David. Tell me about that Jewish bald man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, the, 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 this is we have a, a word for it in Hebrew, Meshuga. <laughs> and uh, David, I call David Meshuga. That means crazy. And he says, "Well, takes one to know one." <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, uh, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard of, David. Well, tell what's, me what's even it. crazier is we did it in the Jewish Cultural Center, which I don't know how we got permission to do that. No, I tried to do this in Montreal, and they kicked me out. Well, but you got in. Well, okay. somehow we had a strategy that worked. I'll tell you later after the show what we did, but they let us rent it out right there, and people came in and. It was awesome. And so I'm talking. I'm like, Holy Spirit, show up, please. I need something here. And I'm just talking, and they're listening. And, I'm, and I, you know, you need the supernatural to show up besides just praying for them. And I give some testimonies about bald heads growing hair, cancer being healed, just the things I've seen. And I just tell them, check your body. If something like that's happened, let me know during the speech. As I'm talking, a man starts to scream and holler and make a big commotion. And I thought, oh, getting persecution here maybe. <laughs> and I said, sir, what's the problem? And he goes, my hair. I'm growing hair on the top of my head. And his wife was there checking it, and he had hair that was not there. He was completely bald. And, you know, a Jewish, little short Jewish, round Jewish guy. Well, you had said, see, and that, this is how I understand the glory operates. When the glory shows up and combines with the Word of God, everything happens quick. Yeah, it's really fast. And then another lady, a Jewish lady, was it with a walker. She couldn't walk without a walker. She screams, whoo, and also she throws the walker, and she starts walking by herself. And I'm looking, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm on the stage. So I said, why don't you come up? So I'm trying to help her up. She goes, excuse me, young man, I can get up by myself. <laughs> Very Jewish older lady. Yeah. So, okay, so she gets up by herself on the stage, and everyone's like, oh. so the whole crowd was just like, wow. And, and there was no praise and worship. There was no nothing because we couldn't do it in there. We just raw, just glory show up like you do. And God showed up, and then they all got saved. Whoever wasn't a believer was a believer that night. Uh, just out of curiosity, and maybe you can't answer this, but I really, I'm, I want to press you on this, David. Uh, I've been to your meetings. The glory shows up. People lose weight supernaturally. I mean, I was at one meeting where uh, each night a guy would come and he'd say, see, my belt, and it's continuing. My <laughs> belt buckle is I'm on another notch. I'm on another notch. And I, I saw another woman. She uh, had gray hair because she was seated right in front of me, and I was watching her, and I watched the gray hair turn brown. (laughs) Uh, But it's got to do with your love for God, which then he shows up big with the glory. But tell me how you got into this. How how did it start with you? The signs and wonders? The glory. The glory, yeah. Well, after that sixth, so first Israel, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I went to Israel, then God touched me 
was crying, and God said, now it begins. Then five years of revival. And after the fifth year, after the end of the six-month revival in Paris, I started getting hungry again for something even greater. But I didn't know what I was looking for, and I'd start reading Acts chapter 4. Excuse me. He just gave you a clue, and uh, don't miss it. He got hungry. Now, hunger to that degree was coming from God. But do you know something? You can start it. And in fact, a lot of things start in the natural and end up in the supernatural. Okay, you were hungry, and then what happened? Well, I was hungry in the middle of a six-month revival. So you would think that was the climax of my ministry. Yeah. But towards the middle of it, I started feeling empty inside, like there was something greater than the present revival I was in. And the Lord said, if you pull out of this revival and seek my face, I'll put you into a greater glory. So I had to sacrifice the present move of God, being known as the guy that brought, and I said, I don't care about being known. I want, there's got to be more than, and this is awesome what we saw, but I'm not comparing to what other ministries are doing. I'm looking at the Bible, Peter's shadows healing the sick, signs and wonders, multitudes getting saved. And I said, okay, so I quit the revival. I pulled out after six months, which was the time to leave, I think. And then God said to me, seek my face. I did. Stop. What, what does that mean? What is seeking his face? What did that mean? What did you do to seek his face? I did everything I knew to do. So I, I fasted and prayed for like 21 days. I felt God told me to do it. I didn't want to. I felt then I was still hungry. I, w- I would pray, worship, repent of anything I could think of. And then at the end of that, it was a few months period. I just said, Lord, if you don't bring this new glory, I don't want to, I'm not going to preach anymore. I was like that desperate. I have to have something because I've tasted so much now. I've heard men of God say, God, either show up or kill me. Take me to heaven. Well, I was almost like, I'm going to go up to heaven or or you come down. But I just, uh, because I've I've, I've heard some people say, I'm going into my bedroom and I'm going to stay here until God shows up. That was the desperation. Well, this is like months like this. It was just like, God, there's got to be more. Because the more you get of God, then the more you realize you don't have. It's hard to explain. Uh And you go, wait, there's even more, but I don't have it. And Acts 4 said, oh, God, I have to have this, which is this desperation. And then I caught something from the Lord supernaturally in the prayer time. Then I met some other people like Ruth Heflin. She had carried a glory, mm-hmm. and I had received something from her really strongly. And then I went back to minister, and suddenly signs of wonder started manifesting. The bald heads growing hair, the people's teeth with no, no, people with no teeth, teeth appearing in their mouth. So it wasn't just healings, it was creative. You must have been so shocked when this started. Gold teeth and all this crazy stuff. When when that first started, and and you would go back to your hotel room at night. I was shocked. You you must have been more amazed than the people that had the gold teeth. I was. I was like, what is going on here? (laughs) And it wouldn't even stop. He would go, now call out people that have white hair, their hair turned I said, where's that in the Bible, Lord? (laughs) And he says, well, I've renewed the youth like the eagles. Okay. Not the bald eagles, hopefully. (laughs) And then then he goes, now, after a few months of that, he goes, now bring it back to Israel. First fruits, bring it to them first. So right when I got it, after a few months, I went to Israel, uh, spoke in a few places, and the signs of wonder start hitting Israel, and Israelis start receiving the Messiah, Yeshua. Then I come back to France, and God said, because you went again to Israel, now I'm going to enlarge the cords of your ministry. And we were renting the same buildings that Benny Hinn, Morstrulo, Carlson and Conde were renting every three months. We were just renting this huge civic centers, and just, and it was then these guys from, uh, I think, TBN Europe, they had two hours on Sunday night, and they gave us their two hours and put the meetings up. Mm-hmm. So God just kept blessing and favor because we received the glory, we were hungry, but then he maximized it but, when he but, went to the Jew first. But, but what is the glory? Glory, it's 
like if you died and went to heaven. It's the atmosphere, the atmosphere of, of how you be, but while on the earth, it, it's awesome. Because I've been in David's meetings, and it's just like uh, the glory just invades the meetings, and then he calls words of knowledge, and it's—I hate to use the term because it's, it's God, so uh, no matter what happens, but it's sure faster and easier in the glory. It just seemed that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm hooked on his glory because it's like someone that I never was a drug addict, but people that are, they'd say. Oh, they start with marijuana and then they go to higher drugs. If they're hooked on a higher drug, they can't go back to a lower drug. It's the same with the glory of God. I've tasted of the greater glory. I can't go back to just normal Christianity. Okay. Look, normal is everything the Bible says plus more. Why do I say more? Because Jesus said normal is you'll do the same works I have done and even greater. So that's why I say plus more. And, and by the way, uh, another, another thing that's very important in the gospel uh, of John, it said if all the signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus did were recorded in books, there wouldn't be enough books to contain them. Meaning everything in the Bible is true, but it doesn't have all the miracles that Jesus did. So tell me about your new book. I'm very excited about it. Uh, alignment with heaven. Yeah, aligning with heaven. So basically this book is about how to get that, that glory I'm talking to you about. How do you align with heaven in such a way that there's unobstructed glory coming on your life and God using you? And that's what's what the book's about, how to align with heaven. Well, let me, let me read a few uh, bullet points you have on the back. How I can align my life with heaven's time clock and calendar. And, and that's very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the ancient pathways that opened up the supernatural for Moses, Elijah, and Solomon? What ancient wisdom allowed Solomon to be a king, inventor, writer, scientist, psalmist, businessman, and see the glory uh, cloud firsthand? Where are the forgotten geographical and seasonal portals? What are the ancient secrets to world harvest? Uh, I, I would have to believe that uh, what you have in this book is what you have learned by operating in the glory all of these years. But I'll tell you, one of the things that excites me the most is the courts of heaven. Mm. We're going to talk about this. This will literally, as you understand it, totally change your life. I want you to have something more. Be right back. <laughs> Call our order only line one 800 447 2697 1-800-447-2697. Sid Roth with Something More and Dr. David Herzog. And uh, David, people's lives are being literally transformed when they get your revelation on the courts of heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain, wh- where did, tell me how you got this. What were the circumstances? Yeah, I was in a situation where the first time it happened, I was in a meeting and miracles are happening and this woman was crying and I said, why are you crying? Things are great. Things are happening tonight. She goes, well, my son here who's sitting next to me is going to go to court Tuesday. It was like a Thursday or Friday night Mm -hmm. and he's probably going to go to jail for a very long time because he was caught with child pornography. Mm -hmm. And in the state of Arizona, I think at the time you would get like five years in jail per thing and they, they got his computer he's in big trouble. I think he was 17 or 18. And so he was in big trouble. So I said to the boy, is that true? He goes, yeah, I messed up. I said, well, do you want to repent and get saved? Yeah. So he comes up, he gets saved. Then I say to him, wait, um, let's take it to the court of heaven. And I just thought, well, there's got to be a court in hell. I never heard a teaching on it at that point. 
it was kind of by the Lord just said, mm-hmm. take it to my court before he goes to the earthly court on earth as it is in heaven. If we can get a heavenly verdict on it, then hopefully we can match it with on, on the earth. So I just went by faith and I said, okay, close your eyes. He closed his eyes. I said, let's go by faith. Now imagine you see the judge because there is a judge in heaven. Right. Let's present our case and, and I'll help you and I'll, I'll come with you. And I said, now Jesus is the lawyer. His dad is the judge. So it's kind of rigged. <laughs> so you got a good Jewish lawyer and you got a judge who's, who's his father. And I said, you have a good Israeli lawyer. Yeah, Israeli lawyer, Israeli <laughs> Jewish lawyer. And, and I said, so here, Father, we present this boy to you. He just got saved. He deserves death and punishment. But because of the blood of your servant, Yeshua, Jesus, he's been forgiven. We ask you now, Father God, that you would take care of this court case on Tuesday, whatever your will is. He is okay with it, but we want to present it to you first. Then I, something came in my mind and I said, wait a second, do you have a call in your life? And the boy said, yes, I do. My mother told me since I was little, I have a call to ministry and this and that. And that's why the enemy's been attacking me and I fell into sin. And I go, oh, okay. And I go, time out. I, as if I was in a court case, time out. Let me talk to my client, you know, <laughs> even though Jesus is the lawyer, Yeshua. Right. I said, what if we presented to the judge that you want to serve God also? You want to do your calling? Interesting. Maybe that could affect the court case. I don't know. And he goes, yeah, I'll do whatever. I'm, I'm happy I'm saved. So then we go back and I said, your honor, judge of heaven and earth, uh, he wants to be used in ministry because he has a call in his life. And he said, he even told me, even if I go to jail, I don't mind as long as God uses me. So you know it wasn't a get out jail card. He was just like, I just want to be right with God. Mm-hmm. So we presented that and I hear the, the father say, the judge, forgiven and cleared. And at the time, the pastor was saying, well, he walked by and he overheard it. And I, th- I think he mumbled something like, well, he can be forgiven, but he's going to have to pay for that, you know. <laughs> and so, which is the normal res- earthly right. response. Then he, then he came the next few nights beaming, like glowing, just so happy. Then he goes to the court on Tuesday. And the judge and the lawyer happened to be Christians. They took him out to talk to him in the, before it started. And they said, listen, the opposing lawyer said, listen, we have so much evidence against you. There's no way you can win. You're going to go to jail for a long time. We want to make sure you're a believer before you go because you'll need it. He says, I already am a believer. I just got saved. Gave the whole testimony. Told them he doesn't even mind if he goes. He's fine because he's saved and God's going to use him in jail. And they were so moved by his testimony, they threw the case out. And this happened. That's where you realize that you were on to something. Exactly. It, it's, um, you know, there's nothing new. It's, but it's new to our generation. Exactly. Uh, now, that we, th- we could call that a, an amazing coincidence, but is this happening many times to you and to many people when they get this revelation? Well, I, I had a, some people that owed us a large amount of money in, in a faraway country, and they just decided not to give it. They just they only gave a fourth of it, which they told me it was everything, but then later I found out it wasn't. The Holy Spirit told me it wasn't. I pressed them and find out it wasn't. So I said, well, send it. And they go, no, we're just not going to send it. And I was like, wow, that's a bummer. I'm, I can't do anything about it. And then the Lord reminded me, take it to my courts. Ah, I can go to the court of heaven. So we, we decided to fast and pray that day just to, just to pray with fasting, just to be more focused. So my wife and I went to the court of heaven, did the same thing. Here's our case. Now, Lord, if we're wrong, you know, and you know when someone does you wrong, sometimes you get a little angry or you say stuff you shouldn't say, like, oh, those people are jerks. Or, so then the enemy, you go to the court, there's the opposing attorney, the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says he's there day and night. So he uses anything that you do wrong against you in the court. But the Lord told me, if you repent of anything you've done wrong before you go to the court, the enemy can't use it as evidence against you in the court. You know, we think about that in just your personal life, but we don't understand that it affects 
everything you touch. That's why your prayers get blocked. It's not just God's mad at you. The enemy uses it against you in the court of heaven because he says he accuses the brethren day and night. So the accuser. So I said, so I said, okay, Lord, I repent of being mad that they kept all this money from, even though it was for ministry stuff. Um, I repent, Lord, for saying, oh, they shouldn't have done this. They were jerks. I repent of it. Now here's my case. They, this is what should have, I should have received. This is what they kept back. And it was for something in Jerusalem we were doing, actually, the project. In fact, the Holy Spirit was more bothered by it than I was because at first I said, well, whatever, Lord, I just, I forget. I finally, I forgive him, whatever, you know, I trust you. He says, no, but take it to my court. I want you to. And when I did, I presented the case. And then I felt at peace by the end of the night. We prayed all day till night. At night, I felt the Holy Spirit say, it's done. Like, don't pray anymore. You feel a, a lifting. And when you feel that peace, you know, okay, it's settled. Two days later, they wired like $86,000 back into our account, which they kept back. And I said, what happened? You guys said you weren't going to do it. It was a really far away country. They emailed me back and said, we can't tell the details, but there was suddenly today an emergency meeting and everyone unanimously voted to send it back to you. So I don't know what happened. And another time in Russia, I was detained at the airport because I had all these Russian books, my books in Russian. And they opened it and they said, oh, you can't bring this in here. And they got really upset and you can't come in the country. Your books can't come in the country. And they got really mad. And for a, about an hour and a half, they detained us, kept our passports, and you could feel like something not good is about to happen. You could really sense in the air, like, mm, this, this is really not good. More well, than when you Was this at a time where they were throwing people in prison um, well, without Ed, even... Edward Snowden was still in prison, was still in the airport um, being held at the time. Okay. And at that time, it was a, about, what, two years ago? Okay, so, so it wasn't that far back, okay. 2012 or 13, the Lord told me... The relations with Russia and U.S. will also start to shift as far as Americans easily going in and bringing the gospel into Russia. It was like kind of a sign. And mm -hmm. I, so the ca I see where the cameras are. We're in this room. So I told my, my wife, reminding me, hey, let's go to the court of heaven, honey. She's great, you know. Stephanie, I say, oh, yeah, duh. So <sighs> we did it with our eyes open as if we're talking to each other. Mm -hmm. But we're praying by faith, though, we go up to the court of heaven. We present our case. And they don't know what we're talking about. Five minutes after that, they run back and go, please, you can leave now. Here's your passports. Go. Can I bring my, my, my books with me? Yes. I said, why did you detain us then? Don't ask. Just go. So like, hmm. so I don't know. When, again, sometimes you don't need to know the details. But I think Paul had some revelation on this because he, he got out of jail many times, getting out of jail cards. Um, he knew how to go to the throne. He knew how to go to the Father. So many situations were just amazing. Well, you, you go into a lot of detail about the court of heaven in here, but in uh, so many other uh, ancient secrets. Speaking of ancient secrets, you've learned how to tap into the portals of God. What, what is a portal and what do you well, mean? Well, a portal in Latin, port just means door. So it's not some so weird... So a door. You, yeah. you know how to open a door. Some Christians say, I believe in open heavens, but portal sounds demonic or something, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous because portal just means door in Latin and in, uh -huh. in, in French or Italian. So open the doors or windows of heaven how do you, you know, so there's different ways. Of course, there's praise and worship, there's repentance, there's fasting, there's giving, but then there's also seasonal portals like being in the right place at the right time. Like when I was in Israel during the feast, worshiping God, it's like everything was lined up because God does promise to visit also at certain seasons and times when you show up and praise him. He calls them set appointments. Yeah, so when he shows up, the glory's there, the portal's there, and he promises to show up at certain times if we show up. And uh, you have gone to heaven. Tell me the first time you went to heaven. First time I went to heaven, I was in Bethel, Israel, and we were there with a tour group. We rented a bulletproof bus. Nobody wanted to go. The tour group didn't want us to go. You know the tour agency. They said it's, right. it's, it's Meshuggah at the time, 2003. Crazy. 2003, you have to rent a bulletproof bus. You have to have a security guard with a machine gun. 
you gotta pass Ramallah, go to a checkpoint, and you wanna lay down there and try to get, okay, that's crazy. And I said, yeah, I wanna do it. They said, well, this is gonna cost you more money. They tried to really discourage me. I said, okay, I'll do it. I was so desperate, because Genesis 28, this is the gate of heaven, Bethel. I wanna go check it out. Didn't say it was, it said it is a gate. Yeah, you didn't care whether it was Palestinian or what. Uh, you just wanted to go to that uh, doorway. Yeah, sometimes you gotta risk your life to get the glory, you know? Okay. So I went over there, we laid on the ground, someone played guitar, and I said, everyone close your eyes, find a rock like Jacob did, and just see what God shows you. Maybe you'll have a vision, maybe you'll get taken to heaven. I don't know what's gonna happen, but we'll, we'll have interviews afterward. So we laid down, I saw Jesus, Yeshua. I was taken up and I saw the crystal sea, I saw the Messiah, Yeshua. His eyes were flaming like fire. I got closer and closer to him. He looked at me and he said, thank you for touching Isaac, my people. And he said two things to me. I want you also to touch Ishmael which, and the Muslims because they're crying out for me. And number two, he said, please organize a conference for me in Jerusalem. So I came out of it and I thought, well, that could have just been my mind. It could have been my imagination. A lot of people get talked out of this supernatural. But then a few days later, a friend calls me and says, hey, we want to organize a a conference in Jerusalem and in Bethlehem. We're going to reach all these Arabs and Palestinians at Bethlehem. But we also, or they're actually at the time, oh, I think they were Palestinian by that time, but Arab Israelis. And we're going to reach the Jews in Jerusalem, but we want you to organize the conference in Jerusalem because you have more of the Jewish connection. And I said, that's so crazy. I would normally say no because I don't live in Israel. But the Messiah just asked me those exact words. Could you organize a conference in Jerusalem? And then, the, and then that week, the following week, all the doors open to the Arab Muslim world. I was invited to Dubai, Qatar, Bahrain. Within a few months, I was in all those countries. Uh, Indonesia opened up. So you did not Abu doubt. Dhabi. You did not doubt that it was God, I mean, and you, you did not doubt you were in heaven. You, you said something interesting to me. You said that once you have your first visitation to heaven, it like it makes it easier if you want to go to heaven again. Exactly. But, but let me ask you this. Is it, do you want to go, or is it only as God so willed? I mean, when Paul said he was in the third heaven, mm -hmm. uh, do you think he had something to do with it, or it was just a sovereign thing? Your first time, it was really a sovereign thing. Yeah, but it was faith, too, because I really wanted to go to Bethel, because I wanted to see what Jacob right. experienced. So I think it's partly, like, it says, by faith, Enoch was not. So uh, even that. So I think a lot of it is faith. You have faith and hunger for the supernatural. Some people just get it. They they die and they went to heaven and they don't. They got a car accident. They weren't asking for it. But others that don't have to die, I think you can ask because it does say you can come boldly to the throne. The veil's been rent. We have access to him. So I was just hungry for. There's got it. Maybe there is something to this. In my case, I asked the Lord that if you've been to heaven, a lot of people tell me I've been to heaven 20 years ago, never been back. Hmm. How do I get back in? I said it's really simple. Just lay down. You lay on your bed and just start to remember that time you were in heaven. Just imagine it, remember it, what it was like. And your mind is a gateway. You know, your, your words are a gateway, but your thoughts are too. As a man thinks, so is he. And as you start to think and remember, many times that gate will be instantly wide open immediately. And, you're, and before you know it, you're back in. Just like if you talk about the glory, suddenly the glory shows up. You start thinking about and remembering what happened. Many times it opens it right up just by doing that. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you, obviously, I've been to your meetings and you found that um, many people get healed, of many unusual things at your meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, but from a distance, can someone be healed? Like we're, we're on sure. t uh, in internet now with this. Uh, 
can can someone be healed just watching us right now? Oh yeah, they can be healed even raised from the dead. We've seen both from a distance. Um, yeah, give me an example of uh, one person. Uh, in fact, the one that comes to mind that that we were talking about earlier is where you knew someone's name while yeah. you were speaking. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I was moving in the prophetic and the word of knowledge, and I said to someone, I forgot the name now, but I, I was in uh, Hammond, Louisiana. I gave the first and last name of a man. It's wonderful when you get accurate like that. Only problem is nobody lifted their hand that it was for them. So hmm. I go, is anyone here by that name? Nobody raised their hand. I said, oh, great. And finally a woman comes up and says, well, that's my husband's name, but he's not here. She didn't tell me what was wrong. She stood up, raised her hand. I said, well, we'll pray for you for him. We'll st you'll stand in proxy for him. And I just said, come back three times. She fell out in the spirit. The next day she came to the meeting and told me, you didn't know this, but my husband was in a coma for four days. And you called his name I out. I called his name and I said, come back. But hmm. in my natural mind, I thought, oh, maybe he left her or something. Mm -hmm. and no, he was gone. Like his, he was in a coma. And the hour that I called his name and she fell out in the spirit, he came back too. And like in a little while, if we pray, what do you believe is going to happen to people that are just watching this? Well, I believe the presence of God's already here. It's in their homes. And if they'll believe when we begin to pray, the moment we pray, things will begin to happen. They can believe if I give a word of knowledge, even if I don't give them a specific word while they're listening, they can just begin to get in the spirit and start to declare their miracle. And they'll also see miracles. You know, a lot of people miss this because let's say David or myself function in word of knowledge, which we do. We may not say the condition that you're believing God for. So what, don't miss what David just said. He said, whether he says it or I say it or not, it's yours in the glory. Now, tell me, uh, you've been teaching on these subjects. Tell me about, uh, it, it's actually the uh, Aligning with Heaven package. It's, uh, it's the book and the three CDs. Uh, when you teach on this, when you people read the book, tell me the feedback you get. What's going to happen to someone that goes through this Aligning with Heaven package? People tell me, they wish they had this information in Revelation 20 years ago. Their whole life would have been different. They're so thankful because they're seeing prayers that they've never seen answered in 20, 30 years get answered within hours, days, and weeks. They're realizing there's an acceleration. My people perish for lack of knowledge, the Bible says. Because we don't know that we have the right to go that way to God, we don't get the results. So it's a huge revolutionary transformation over people. Uh, tell me, tell me a, a few of the more popular teachings they get from the CDs and they get from this book. There's another teaching about how to activate your DNA into God's DNA because the blood of Jesus is very powerful, the blood of Yeshua. And in your blood or your DNA, there's memory. You, there's memory of your sins. I know this, yes. And, and that your past sins, but there's also memory of blessings down your family line. And a lot of us only break the curses on our family line, but we don't liberate the blessings off our family line, even if they weren't saved. You can ask the Lord to... You know, I've never heard of that before. How did you? How the, did you the even Lord know began, about that? The Lord that? began to show me stuff. And I said, well, let me test this out. And I started testing it on myself. And on my Jewish side, I had relatives that were scientists and they knew 12 languages and they were business and government. And I started asking God... I'll to, take a little of your DNA. <laughs> as, as, I want some of yours. And I said, Lord, cleanse my DNA. Show me, you know, my mind. My, even, my, even your IQ can go up. Daniel had said that, that suddenly he was 10 times wiser, smarter, and all manner of wisdom, understanding, and learning than his peers. Didn't say he studied 10 times more in Daniel 1. And so suddenly I would be waking up for like six weeks of doing this, of asking God to cleanse my DNA with his blood and cleanse my bloodline, not just break the curse, but open up the blessings down the line that's encapsulated in your DNA, but it's blocked.
Hmm. And when you ask God to open it, you can know things you never learned. It's amazing. And suddenly I wake up and I'm getting quantum physics. I'm getting um, understanding of time travel, space travel. I start picking up languages on this app and I was learning Finnish, Russian. I was just picking up just Russian. I, I thought you'd never say that. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. It, and, and it was like syncing with my spirit, my mind, my body. Everything was like going up another level. Uh, okay. Uh, th- th- this is fascinating, but he has heard prophetic words that are about ready to happen on planet Earth. I, w- I want to find out about that. Uh, don't you want something more? <laughs> we'll be right back for something more. And I'm going to tell you something. I'll also have David pray and a back was just healed. That was a freebie. <laughs> we'll be back for something more. Call our order only line, 1 800 447 2697. 1 800 447 2697. Welcome to something more. Uh, David, I forgot to ask you. I say I got so excited about this unsaved Jewish guy that gets his hair growing in a meeting. I mean, can you picture an unsaved Jewish person coming to a meeting and getting their hair growing out? Uh, did he get saved? Yeah, he did. Everyone that there that wasn't saved got saved. That was the thing. The, the woman was the woman saved. They got healed from the, uh, she was, in the wheelchair. She got saved after that. She wasn't saved either. But, you know, that's the purpose of a miracle. And most people that are watching us right now, they've never had, you've never had miracles. I want to get this Aligning with Heaven package into your hands. It's the brand new book, Aligning with Heaven. And you have revelation here that few people uh, have ever even heard. Uh, And then it's four CDs, uh, three, The Revival of Ancient Pathways, glory, the courts of heaven, and then the exclusive bonus CD is activating DNA blessings. Tell me, just talk a little bit more about this activating DNA blessings. Yeah, so basically people understand, okay, when you take communion, that the blood of Yeshua, his body, they also know about breaking generational curses. People say, I break the curse off my Mm -hmm. bloodline, but they don't know how to liberate the blessings from their bloodline once they've broken the curse. And that's an amazing thing because in your DNA, there's memory. In your blood, there's memory. But, but what if you don't know this memory? You know, like I can't go back beyond no. my uh, great-grandfather. Sure. You, you don't have to know. You can just say, Lord, go all the way down my family line, break every that's curse. That's a lot of people. <laughs> and, and then say, now liberate the blessings that you think I should receive from my family line. Some maybe were scientists. Some were maybe um, writers, philosophers, artists, whatever. I started doing that, and I started having... I was able to understand complex things, scientific things, like, like space travel, time travel. I could never fully understand it. And for the next six weeks of doing this, I'd wake up and I'd understand it. I'd get equations for it. I would, And it's like something started speeding up. My ability to learn sped up. Like suddenly I was learning Finnish, Russian, German, and one other language all at the same time and picking it up really fast. So even my brain, like, like Daniel said, his IQ went up. He said he learned all manner of wisdom and mm-hmm. understanding. 10 times more than the other people. Now, tell me about, uh, you were talking about the bloodline and the DNA. Explain that a little more. Yeah, so like in your bloodline, for instance, there could be sicknesses like diabetes or, Mm -hmm. oh, your father had it, your grandfather had it. So the doctors tell you, oh, you had this in your blood. 
But then right. there's also other good things in your bloodline that can be passed down. Once you break the curse, you can liberate the blessings down the bloodline of the favor, the blessings, the inheritances. There's so much there that we don't wait, get. Wait, what do you mean inheritances? Well, even let's say you're, you know, like the God of Abraham, then Isaac and Jacob. Isaac gets born into the full blessing of Abraham. Jacob is born with the full blessing that Isaac gets. So a lot of us has, have lost stuff in our family lines. And we can start saying, God, the, the land, the the prosperity even that our family line had that was lost, I asked to restore it to me supernaturally, and God can start doing that. Um, tell me, because I know you move in prophecy, you, you move in everything when the glory invades, uh, but tell me uh, about uh, a prophecy that you've had in the past, just one that has come to pass. A prophetic word, okay. Um, I was in France during the six-month revival that I talked about earlier, and in the middle, God told me to prophesy France would win the World Soccer Cup, and if they win, the pastor should continue the meetings because he was going to cancel the meetings. Out of curiosity, maybe you <laughs> might not know this, but were they favored to win? I don't even know. No, it was. In fact, they no one thought they would even make it to the finals, and the pastor told me, you know, France has this big vacation thing where it's almost like an idol, where the summer they have it. I mean, they go on strike <laughs> and they earn that, right? And and so the Lord said. No, I don't want this to end. But I said, well, how do I convince the people we should continue and sacrifice this revival to keep going? It only been on like a month or two. He said, tell them France will win the World Cup, and that'll be a sign. So I get up the next day, and I prophesy this. No one there's looking at me like, yeah, right. And then France wasn't even in the finals. And guess what? The last night of the revival had been like six weeks where we were supposed to end it. The pastor told me we we're going to end it tonight. It was, And I prophesied France will win against Brazil. And then they really thought it was crazy because Brazil is really good. Well, guess what? It was France versus Brazil the last night. Fran wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Were you sweating it between oh, you and me, two I, Jews? I was so nervous. I, I didn't even <laughs> care about soccer. I watched every soccer game after I prophesied that. I was praying, go get him. You can do it, Philippe or Pierre, whoever they were. I, I was behind. I learned a lot. I was behind every game after that. And I was like, Lord, if you, they don't win, my whole reputation's destroyed in this country. And guess what? France won 3-0. Even the Brazilians were shocked. And they said, wow, we can't believe you beat us. And the French were surprised they won. They weren't like that proud. Usually they were really like proud. They were like surprised that they won. There was like almost like a humility about it. Like, wow, we actually won, you know. And then the pastor said, you know what? I think we should continue this revival. And I pretend like it was his idea. So I said, it's going to be a sacrifice for me, but I'll do whatever you say, pastor. Let's continue. And I was kind of the joke. If you make it think it was their idea, then they'll keep going. And we went for six months. So that, that was just one prophecy. Well, well tell me, I, I mean, you have some amazing prophecies I have here in my notes. Uh, you're talking about uh, something that's going to happen in Israel. What is God showing you? What's going to happen in Israel? Well, there's going to be a huge revival in Israel. When uh, The first time I went to Jerusalem, I said, Lord, show me what this destiny is for this city. Because I keep hearing, some are saying this is not the real Jerusalem. There's going to be a new one. Well, I, I've heard people say that uh, is, uh, a nuke is going to hit uh, yeah. Israel and they're going to uh, be dispersed again and then come back. And a lot of, yeah. uh, that's called uh, Mishigas, Mishuganus, <laughs> but it, it craziness. <laughs> so I said, God, what's, the, what's your destiny over this city right here that I'm looking at in Jerusalem? I'm feeling the presence of God. I'm reading the word of God. I'm reading Daniel and Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. And God starts to show me. He says to me, no, I have a purpose for this present day Jerusalem. There will be a move of God. There will be many, many, many saved. In fact, many will start coming from around the world, not to the revivals in America. They're going to come to Israel to experience the glory of God. 
Well, you know, God has shown me the same thing. A lot of people are talking gloom and doom for Israel. I believe Israel's finest hour is coming up. I believe there's going to be such a move of God's spirit in the land of Israel. And uh, I I didn't think about what you just said, but that's right in line with what God's showing me. People will come, just like people used to go to Brownsville and and Pensacola and, and these various revivals from other countries. People are going to go to Israel for revivals. Tell me something else God's prophesied. Yeah, one of the prophecies I've seen uh, is Europe right now. Europe is about to have a major move of God, and the center of it will be Germany. God told me that interesting that Europe will cannot have a move of God without Germany being at the center of it. Well, you, you, you may not know this, and I'm sure that you don't know this, but many uh, uh, Russian Jews, rather than going to Israel, have been going to Germany. And so Germany has a large Jewish population again. Yeah, something is going on. It's a combination of the time we're in, the Jewish people that are there. You would think Germany would be the last country, but without Germany getting revival, Europe in general will not get a European-wide move of God. And because they're the main engine for the move of God, the Lord showed me they're the heart. And because they caused such destruction, there was a 70-year curse. I was in Austria last year, and I prophesied, didn't even know there was a prophecy about this. And I said, the Lord shows me after 70 years um, revival. And they said, did you know that's what our prophets have been saying, that the, there's a 70-year curse. Like Israel had a 70-year curse. After 70 years, they'd be free from captivity. And it was. And so the 70 years at the end of World War II just happened a few weeks ago in May. And I was there at the 70-year mark. I get into my hotel, and I see all these shows about Hitler, World War II. I'm thinking, why would the Germans put this on there? They usually don't like to talk about this. And the Israeli president came to Germany as a friend of Israel to say, we are friends, we're best friends. And the Lord told me it's going to all shift now. And even the shame that Germany, and I'm saying this as being Jewish person, but the shame that's been on Germany is about to be lifted. Their shame will no longer be all those Germans that killed the Jews. It's going to be those Germans who help Israel, who love the Jews, who love revival, who love the glory. Their shame is being lifted and they're going to be one of the main spreaders of revival and the best friends of Israel and Jewish people. That's coming right now. The 70-year mark just occurred. Watch Germany. You're going to start to see major moves of God. What is God showing you about judgment, revival, etc.? Yeah, I believe when I asked the Lord about it, because you always hear prophecies, okay, it's all bad, it's all good. The Lord told me it it depends on you and your house and where you are. You know, if you're in sin, it's not going to be good. If you're in revival, even if you're in the midst of a country that's being shaken, you could be blessed in the midst of it. So the Lord showed me not to go into fear, do what he, you know, Joshua and Caleb, there's giants in the land. Yeah, in America, it's bad in the natural. And you could tune in prophetically and only hear second heaven chatter. So what I say is second heaven chatter is you can have be just prophetic enough to know the bad things that the enemy's planning. And then you think, well, that's it. That's the truth. But then you can go higher into the third heaven and see God's plan to counteract the devil's plans and you stay with that. So some people are... So, so what is God's plan? I mean, I want to know this. Third, you've been in the third heaven and you've heard the chatter there. You've heard the chatter where the devil is yes. about all the doom and gloom. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what God's saying. Well, I believe the books have been open, like Daniel said. The books of the nations are open and America's up at the court, like a national. Mm-hmm. And what it's, it's hanging in the balance and it depends on the saints. Nothing set in stone, it depends on the saints. If we pray, seek his face, win the loss, win the Jew first, revival, repentance, we can shift it and we can have the biggest move of God America's ever seen. But if the church sleeps during the harvest that's about to hit, then we can lose everything. So it's one of those 
all-or-nothing times where we have to really go for it right now. And it was like that in 1929 crash. It was like that many times in U.S. history. It was the worst of the worst, and God flipped it. So I believe God can flip it, and emit what looks like the worst thing that can hit America could be the best. But it, it depends. It's conditional. You know, and I believe it could be even each state could be some states could be total devastation. Others could be total revival and blessing. Do you, do you have any um, be, beyond it's conditional uh, and beyond what you hope? <laughs> what do you think's going to happen? That's a tough one. I have my I have my inclinations. I think what's going to happen towards the end of this year, there's going to be some interesting events that will hit in the United States that will really wake up the church and revival will start happening, then the enemy will try to do something to throw us off, like a surprise, something. And then if the church keeps going with the move of God, we can shift it and have a revival. But I believe it, it's like, it's going to be good and bad colliding together at the same time. And, and But you said something else that is even more important in my opinion. And, and what David said is, no matter what happens, if you're in the glory zone and <laughs> your food is being multiplied, as a matter of fact, I, I really want you to get this package, the, 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 the new book called Aligning with Heaven and the three CDs and the bonus CD, the uh, revival of ancient pathways, glory. The third is courts of heaven. Oh, you really need that one. But the fourth, and, and this is exclusive with us, activating your DNA blessings. If there's ever been a time to activate your blessings, the time is now. We're making it available for an investment of $45. And I say investment because the whole reason that I'm in ministry, the whole reason for it's supernatural is to reach the Jew to be a catalyst for the greatest Gentile revival in history. And any profits we make from this package, not only, it, 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 this package is essential, I believe, for end times. However, any profits are poured into Jewish evangelism and you get, the, you get to share in the same credit I share in when I get to heaven. Uh, David, I promised our people that you would pray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just at whatever God shows you. Okay? Sure, yeah, let's do it. Would you do it now? Well, Father, in Jesus' name, Yeshua's name, thank you for your glory, your presence that's covering the studio and covering the homes that are listening, the cars, the iPhones, the iPods, wherever you're listening. The presence of God's all around you. I could feel it on you. And I just declare healing over your body. I see stomach cancer being healed. I see fibromyalgia being healed. I see also people with bald issues, God's growing hair in Jesus' name. I even see someone that's dying right now, and I declare death be reversed in Yeshua's name, that you will not die and you will live, says the Lord. Ears are opening up, deaf ears. I see skin disease, that new skin like a baby's covering over. Cataracts on your eyes and spots. I see also new teeth, holes that are being filled. Crooked teeth be straight in Yeshua's name. And any other miracle, like TMJ, I see being healed. But if I don't call out yours, just lay hands on your own body part and thank the Lord and then do an act, like get up and run or do something you couldn't do before. Because as we're calling these out, you know, the pool of Bethesda, whoever got in while it was being stirred, got healed. So just get in, even if I don't give your word or Sid doesn't give your word. But there's an arm that's being healed. You, you broke it and it didn't heal correctly. There's paralysis on your left leg. You can't walk on it. You can't feel. God's healing your leg right now. And there's many, many more bones in your feet that did not set correctly. 
bones in your feet are coming back into place. I feel like like moving into place. And, and speaking of bones in your feet, uh, God is showing me in your hands, whatever you need, carpal tunnel, uh, there's pain, arthritic pain when you bend your fingers, uh, skin condition, anything you need in the hands, that is, that is yours. And I also heard that people that have pain in their neck and pain in their back, but it's really important for you to be a participant and, and not just a spectator. Uh, Christianity throughout the world has become a spectator sport. It's not supposed to be. You're called to be front and center. I mean, this is the, the last act of the last play in history. I really want you equipped to move in the supernatural. For the sake of the supernatural, absolutely not. For the sake of the salvation of the world. Because God's plan A for evangelism has always been demonstrate the kingdom and earn the right to introduce, whether it's a Muslim, a Jewish person, a Hindu, an atheist, into the creator of the universe, into knowing the Messiah of Israel. And I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity. This is eternal life, that you might have experiential knowledge with God. And by the way, ears are being opened. I bind that spirit of deafness and command it out of people, especially the spiritual ears. This is eternal life, that you might have experiential knowledge with me, Jesus said, and that's the, the original Greek. If you will say this prayer, you know, I didn't even know this prayer. Uh, as a Jewish man about ready to go under for the third time, I prayed a one-word prayer. And, and gave up. My prayer was Jesus. You can do better than that. I prayed Jesus and he showed up. I'm telling you this. He may show up. He may just do everything he's supposed to do and you won't have one feeling. But we walk by faith. We walk by faith. And if you will say this prayer and believe it to the best of your ability, Jesus will forgive you of all of your sins and be your Lord and live with you and never leave you or forsake you and give you a new beginning and give you such supernatural peace. You've been wanting this peace. You've been wanting to sleep good. Say this prayer with me. Repeat it after me. Dear God, say, Dear God, I'm a sinner. Against you and you alone have I sinned. And I'm so sorry. I believe the blood of Jesus is more than enough to not just cover my sins, but to remove them completely. And in Jesus' name, now that I am clean, I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord. Come into my clean vessel. I'm so sorry for what I've, what I've done in the past, but I have a new history, a new beginning. As you say in your word, I am a new creation. I'm not going to look back anymore. I make you Lord of every area of my life. Amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it, God is not a man that he should lie. And all of his promises are yes and so be it. In Yeshua's name, I say to you, Yeshua, those that said the prayer, 
is your Lord. And start reading the Bible. Find a congregation that teaches the Word. And get busy. We're in the most exciting time in the history of planet Earth. Be sure to get this new package, Aligning with Heaven. It's got nuggets that has taken David uh, a lifetime to learn. As he said, he wishes he knew all these things when he started. And then the three CDs, Revival of Ancient Pathways, whole idea and concept of glory. Third is the courts of heaven. And then the bonus is our exclusive CD, Activating DNA Blessings, available for an investment of $45 so we can pour it into reaching Jewish people. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.